Good evening, ladies. I guess we'll get started. It's been a while. We're missing a few people tonight. Um, so just try you table, table leaders or if you have each other's numbers that are missing tonight, if you could just try and reach out to them and just see how they're doing. Um, just to encourage them to come back, that it's okay if they've missed a week or two or a few. It does, that doesn't matter. Like They can come anytime. So let's just go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that um, that it speaks to us and that it changes us, Lord, that it doesn't come back void, Lord, that, um, that, it's what, that it's what grows us up, Lord. We thank you for just um, this simple message about the tongue, Lord, and how uh, convicting and how, um, how true a lot of this is, all of it, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that we could be women that would um, have a softened heart to hear what you want to say to us tonight about um, the tongue, Lord. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Okay. So, we're in James chapter 3, 1 through 12. A mature Christian has power over her tongue. Oh, gosh. Guys, all went blurry for a second. <laughs> There's a quote that says, You are a master of the words you don't say, and you're a slave to the ones you do say. So in James chapter 1, we learn that the Christian is patient in her trials. In chapter 2, we learn that she practices truth. And tonight, we're going to learn about a Christian has power over her tongue. The, Christian that James, the Christians that James were writing to were apparently having a serious problem with their tongue. James had warned them to be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath in chapter 1, verse 19. With our tongue, we easily praise the Lord, pray, we can encourage a friend, and what a privilege that is. But with that same tongue, we can tear our husbands down, disrespect them, um, tell a lie, ruin a reputation, break a person's heart. Um, in order to impress the importance of controlled speech and the great, great consequences of words, James gives us some pictures of the tongue that we're going to look at tonight. So let's, I'm going to give you the, just the um, titles. So James 3, 1 through 4, we're going to look at a bridle, bridle or rudder, and it's the power to direct. In James 3, 5 through 8, we're going to look at the tongue as a fire, the power to destroy. And in James chapter 3, 9 through 12, um, the tongue is a fountain, the power to delight. So let's just read um, James chapter 3, 1 through 12, and then we'll focus in on 1 through 4, a bridle or rudder. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses, mouths that, that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how a great a forest a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of, the, of nature. And it is set on fire by hell, 
For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men, who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does, it, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. So the first, in one, verses 1 through 4, we're going to hone in on, we're looking at the bit in the rudder. First, we're reminded, as he says here, my brethren, let, mem- lot, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment. Well, I read that and told Tony I was done. <laughs> I said, I quit. I give mom, you can't do this. Because I petrified before the Lord. Uh, my Carly and Tony watch how much time I pour into this, and it is... I do stress and stress and study and study and study, and I still never feel um, quite um, adequate to get up here. And I, I tremble before the Lord because um, I'm only here out of obedience. Um, so it is a tremendous amount of responsibility and, and accountability, and I don't take that very lightly. So it says in James 3, 2, James stumbles, We all stumble in many, in many things. Sins of the tongue seem to head the list. The woman who can discipline her tongue gives evidence that she can control her whole body. In selecting the bit and rudder, James presented two items that are small of themselves, yet exercise great power, just like the tongue. A small bit enables the rider to control a great horse. Have you ever seen, like, I've seen one person, like, one time and rode a horse once. Um, But they're huge and very powerful, and they could hurt you, you know, if they're not being controlled, if they're jumping up and whatnot. Um, they don't look, I mean, they look real pretty on TV, but in person, it's like, whoa. Um, so to be controlled, they have to be tamed and, um, controlled by that bit. And the same with a rudder. Um, it is, has to overcome great contrary forces, like the wind can set it off. So a captain has to be able to steer it. The currents can just take it right off its course. The tongue must be also overcome the contrary forces. We have an old nature, that wants to control us. It always rears up its ugly head, right? Um, just allow an ugly text to come through or a phone call that day or something to just set you off your course or having a bad day with your kids, whatever it might be. Um, there are circumstances that makes us say things we shouldn't say on the inside and outside, seeking to get control of this tongue. This means the bit and rudder must be under the control of a strong hand, and that's our Lord. The expert horseman keeps the mighty steer under control, and the experienced captain courageously steers the ship through a storm. When Jesus controls the tongue, then we need not fear saying the wrong thing, or even saying the right things the wrong way. Have you ever been like, okay, the Lord wants me to tell a friend something, and you're petrified to tell it? There's two ways you can tell it. You can come at them in, in with his love and in, in love toward them with that conversation. So that's the same way. You're, you're, you want to say it the right way, um, being submitted to him, and they can receive it differently. In Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. That's strong, strong words, right? Death and life. You think, oh, come on. How can that be? They refer to the impact our speech has on others. 
we don't realize um, how much our speech affects us and others. The king, the kind of death here is caused by backstabbing, gossiping, harsh words, and it's not a physical death that we can see. Often we can't see it. It's even more deadly because it's not always seen, right? It's going on in here, right? We're hurting inside. Remember the saying in grammar school, sticks and stones may break my bones, but your words will never hurt me. We used to say that. I remember on the grammar school when we were little. And how wrong is that? How wrong is it? I'd rather someone take a stick to me than beat me with their words. I remember a long time ago, early in ministry, um, I am very loving and quick to be loving toward people, and I had become friends with a girl. Um, she had a lot of kids, and um, I had given her a bunch of clothes that I had just, um, she was, I had outgrown, or I can't remember what, and I just, we just hit it off. We just became really close, or so I thought we had became very close. And she invited me over for lunch um, with my little girls, and um, my husband was away on a trip. I can't remember what for at this time, for a missions trip, I think, at that point. And I was real excited to go over there because I thought, oh, this is, you know, this is a hard week. He's gone all week, and I'm excited to go have lunch with her. And she served a wonderful lunch, and we had lunch, and then after that lunch, we sat on her couch, and I will never, ever forget the words she began to say to me, but she began to rip my husband apart. And um, I left there crying and just was so shooken up because I thought she was my friend. And she wasn't. She was looking to cause division. Um, they, they left the church not long after that. And, um, and it's very hard in the midst of when you're being attacked like that verbally to not attack back. And it's only by the grace of God that I was able to say, I, I think I need to go home now. My girls, we need to go home. And that's all I could get out because I was so like, I mean, it's ever like um, you just don't expect it. It's like a smack across the, your face. You're just thinking, oh, this is so sweet. She invited us over. The kids are all playing. And, and then the things she began to say about my husband, um, I wanted to punch her. And I just was like, God, that's not going to, I was so angry and like, and then like, um, just shooken inside because I, I felt the attack and I was like, this is, this is evil. Like, we're just getting started here. Like we just left our family and friends and we're trying to start this Bible study. We're, we're not any of those things you're saying we are, you know? So it was really, really difficult. Um, the Lord has really taught me over the years. Um, I'm thankful that our, our tongue has a cage. And, um, and I've learned to not speak what I think, to just not let it pour out and wait. And that takes maturity and patience and, and, and time sitting with the Lord. It's not easy when, if your husband or your family's being attacked in any way like that, that's just an example I wanted to share with you guys. It was very difficult, but praise the Lord. He, he, um, handled it, you know, he, he made it all good. Psalm 141, 3, 4, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men who work iniquity and do not let me eat of their delicacies. David knew that the heart is the key to right speech. Matthew 12, 34, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
When Jesus Christ is Lord of my heart, he's also Lord of my lips. The bit and rudder have the power to direct, which means this affects the lives of others. A runaway horse or a shipwreck could mean injury or death to people or passengers. The words we speak affect the lives of others. Think about it. A judge can say guilty or not guilty, and that person goes to prison for the rest of his life, and that affects his friends and his family. Like, that's powerful, guilty or not guilty. Or even a simple yes or no from the lips of a parent can greatly affect the direction of a child's life. Never underestimate the guidance you give by the words you speak or you do not speak. Because sometimes the Lord is wanting us to speak, and we're like shaking on our boots, like, at least I am. (laughs) Like, oh God, are you sure you want me to say this? I don't want her to be mad at me, or I want her to understand where it's coming from. Jesus spoke to the woman at the well, and her life and the lives of the neighbors experienced a miraculous change. On April 21st, 1855, I love history. I guess could watch documentaries, and I just love, love history. Edward Kimball went into a Boston shoe store and led young Dwight Moody to Christ. Just think, he had he went in there and shared the Lord with him, and then look at the result we get, the result of one's greatest evangelist, a man whose ministry continues just because he went in and shared. So our words have the power to direct. Remember that as you use your words among your families, in your church, in your home, out in your jobs. Um, it's very powerful, uh, powerful, um, and, and people are watching you. I always used to say, you may be, or I may be, the only Bible some people ever read. So they're, they're listening and hearing what we're saying. Okay, so let's go on to verse 5. Even so, the tongue is a little member and most boast great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, a reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is unruly, evil, fully of deadly poison. So here James um, basically says, gives us this picture of the tongue being a fire. So let's, the, the title for that is The Power to Destroy. A fire begins with just a small spark, but it can grow to destroy a whole city. We always hear of the fires in California. Um, I've been out there visiting family, and we've driven past on these crazy, humongous highways that go forever, and we'll just drive past a whole area, and it'll just be all black. And I'll be like, ooh, what happened there? Like, it looks so, like, just looks so dead and sad, you know? Um, and it's just fire. So you hear and you see on the news, these fires help. Millions of dollars of homes have been wiped out and families are left to start over again just from a small spark. It can cause mass destruction. And our words, ladies, he compares it to starting fires. Proverbs 26, 20, 21. When there is no wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no table bearer, strife ceases. As charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Like a fire, the tongue can heat things up. You know that, you that are married. When we're in a debate, 
conversation with our husband. If we keep quiet, things kind of will settle down, right? Um, but um, if you like to debate, um, things will get heated up. So that's what he means. Like a fire, the tongue can heat things up, depending on what words we say. Destructive words create strife and wound deeply. Inestimable damage is done by those who deliberately use their speech to harm the reputation of others. Psalm 39, 1 through 3 says, 1 and 3, I said, I will guard my ways, lest I sin with my tongue. I will strain my mouth with a muzzle. While the wicked are before me, my heart was hot within me. While I was musing, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. Have you ever had that experience? Of course you have. We all have. A hot head and a hot heart can lead to burning words that later we will regret. There are words I've said, um, especially to my kids, that I wish I could take back. But I can't. And I've said I'm sorry. And there's been healing and God's forgiven um, praise God that he does that, but boy, do I wish I could erase it. And there's been words said to me by my birth dad that I could never forget and have affected me to want to be different than what he thought I was going to be. He told me when I was just like 14 or 15 that I would be a nobody and that I would be pregnant at a very early age like my birth mom and that I would become nothing. And that's pretty intense words to say to a teenage girl. Um, I could have um, said, all right, you're right. I'm just going to go be trash somewhere and just do whatever I want. But boy, did that make me fight hard to get my LPN, to graduate high school, uh, to do whatever it took to make him be wrong. So sometimes our word are his words that are used against us to make us feel beaten up, God can use to make us grow and change. Um, praise God that he used it in my life to make me want to prove him wrong because I didn't want him to be right. David had a temper, and he had to have God's help in controlling it. Solomon wrote, He who restrains his word has knowledge, and he who has cool spirits is a man of understanding. Proverbs 17, 27. And Proverbs 14, 29. He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. folly. My husband always says to me, and he has said to the girls, Don't react, respond. And that has like burned in my head. Trush. Okay, this is pretty stressful. Like in that moment with that lady, when she hurt, wounded me very deeply, I, I wanted to react. But I was like, this is going to not be pretty. And all these little kids are around us. So I just need to excuse myself and go out. I used to do that with my girls when I was little. I'm like, you need to go to your room. Mainly because mommy needs a timeout before I deal with disciplining you. Because <laughs> it won't be good. <laughs> So I needed a timeout, you know, to get my act together, to calm my hot head down and put it in perspective and be able to discipline in love and not in anger. Because that was, I think that was the hardest thing for me to learn as a parent, to discipline in love. It is much easier to discipline when you're angry. It just comes out of you. But to discipline in love and be like, okay, this is why we're spanking or this, you know, and go through the whole thing. Like that took time and energy and um 
but it was a really good process, and the girls understood it much better when we went through that process. So fire not only starts small and then grows and creates heat, it also defiles. Fiery words can defile a home, a church. The smell after a fire is awful. The only thing that can wash away that defilement is the blood of Jesus. Amen? Fire burns and hurts, and our words can burn and hurt. One of the sorrows our Lord had to bear when he was on earth was the way his enemies talked to him and about him. Fire spreads, and the more fuel you give it, the faster and further it will spread. In verse 6, it says, set on fire the course of nature. James suggests that all life is connected like a wheel, and therefore we cannot keep things from spreading. A person's entire life can be injured or destroyed by the tongue. Time does not correct the sins of the tongue. Um, We may confess, confess our sins of speech, but the fire keeps spreading. Like our mind, those words, like those words my father said to me and, um, you know, other situations, they, I can play them like a record. I can just put them right on the little, what do you call that? The little wheel, the record wheel. I know nobody has record players anymore, but we had them back in the day and they were really cool. I think mine was, I don't know, I think it was pretty color or something, but um, it, you can just play that record like it was, you know, and that's like going back 15 years ago, you know, but we, you can just play that, whatever the situation is, with that family with, member, with that friend, or maybe with that family member you don't talk to anymore, or whatever the situation may be. It just plays. So time does not correct the sins of the tongue. We may confess our sins of speech, but the fire keeps going. Colossians 4, 6 says, How important it is for our speech to be full of grace, grace and seasoned with salt. The important things of the course of the heart, for it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. Matthew twelve thirty four. And then in verse 8, he says, But no man can tame the tongue. Who can? Who can tame our tongue? God. When you are faithful, spending time with him daily, when you're attending worship regularly, and when you're fellowshiping with other like-minded sisters, your heart and words can help, can't help but be changed. I remember when I got saved, I, before I got saved, I cussed, but I wasn't like a big cusser because it just, to me, it wasn't professional as a nurse, like as an LPN. Like I just was like, like t- nowadays it's like, I'm sorry, but like the the is like the bad, bad word, the F word. I'm not kidding you. Like girls at work, I mean, they say it all the time, and I'm just like, it like stresses me out. I just don't, I'm like, this is not very professional. You know, we're in a doctor's office. Like, so it's just really, but I never had to pray um, after I got saved. God, please take my cussing away. I just dove into the relationship with the Lord and spent time with him, and it just naturally leaves. You know, those things just naturally leave. So when you're fellowshipping, you're spending time, have you ever been, like, off track with your thinking or you're just struggling or maybe you're weary about something, and you get together with one of your sister's friends or family member um, who is just one of those friends that you can lay it all out there, and she just gently comes back in with either God's word or just and then you're like, you know, like, er, it's like, okay, I'm back on track now. Here I go. Those are the blessings. So that's, what, that's what's important, not to isolate yourself. You know what I mean? And that's what the world wants us to do uh, more than ever. Oh, my gosh. My husband had me watching this crazy thing today. He always likes to keep up on things. And I don't have Facebook, um, and um, I barely have Instagram. But um, 
And I only did that to keep in touch with my girls while they were away at school. Um, but this whole Facebook thing is now, I might be saying it wrong, Meta, Meta, Meta. But it's this whole virtual thing that they're introducing. And it's like you can go, somebody, I am not kidding you. Like, I can't believe this is real. Somebody in their virtual thing bought land. It is not real land for millions and millions of dollars. Does that make any sense to you? Like, that's where we're headed. Like, we're headed to these, I mean, like, soon they're just going to be like, okay, put your virtual thing on and you're, you're in your classroom. You know what I mean? Like, it's just weird where the world is heading. Like, we were watching this thing about this Facebook, what he's introducing, and, and then we watched someone else saying, what does this mean, along with COVID? And, and I just was like, oh, Lord. Like, I could see, like, people getting, you know, like, you can actually have a virtual home and buy, like, you're buying them for real curtains, but they're not real curtains. Like, you're really decorating this virtual house. I just was like, are we really, is this really real? Like, is this man real? And you're spending all this money, like it's not cheap to do it. Anyway, I just thought, oh my gosh, how sad. Like, you won't even have to leave your house to go shopping and buy all this stuff for this pretend house you don't have. Like, I just think, oh Lord, our poor kids. Like, the video games and the virtual, all that stuff, what I just, it just scares me because I think we're losing how to talk with one another. We're use, losing how to be kind with one another, be in a relationship. How do you, how do you do a relationship? Anyway, sorry, I'm getting off track. All right, so it, can, it can't help you be changed um, when you're doing those things. If the heart is filled with hatred, Satan will light the fire. But if the heart is filled with love, God will light the fire. All right, let's finish off. Let's move on to verse 9 through 12, titled The Power to Delight. Woohoo! So we go from fire, our tongue can be fire, to our tongue has the power to delight, the fountain and the tree. The fountain, which nobody wants to drink from right now, but we used to drink from it, provides cool water, which we need to stay alive. Not only do we need it for drinking, but for showering, washing clothes, cooking, farming, and a host of other activities necessary to life. Proverbs 18.4, the words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brook. Proverbs 10.11, the mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Proverbs 13.14, the law of the wise is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. These verses parallel what James has written, and it shows us the importance of our words. Water is life-giving, right? And our words can give life. However, if water is not controlled, it can bring death and destruction. Have you guys ever Googled a famous flood or even seen like the floods? Um, because I love history, I always like looking at that stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the damage that it causes and the lives that are lost. The one in 1889 in Johnston, PA, it took 2,200 lives and it destroyed 10 million in property. Water. You don't, you don't realize how powerful it is. I mean, any of you that try and go into the ocean and swim, it's much harder the older you get. That thing like, you know, if it's not trying to take your bathing suit off with the waves, it's knocking you down. It's, it's a workout to go swimming when you get older. But it's powerful, you know, and God gives its boundaries to it. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. However... When you get a glass of water or drink from the fountain, you're not thinking, you're rarely thinking of a flood. We think only the precious gift of refreshment that comes with that drink of water. 
We cannot be healthy without water. Proverbs 12:18. there is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. So our tongue can promote health. I think that's pretty cool depending on, you know, if we're filled with the love of Jesus and we're speaking what he wants us to speak and not what our flesh wants to speak. Paul's prayer was that he might refresh the saints in Rome when he came to them. He often named the Christians who had refreshed him. We see this in 2 Timothy 1.16 where the Lord grant mercy to the household of, here we go, Alnosophorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. Also, in 1 Corinthians, I'm going to butcher these names, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians 16, 17 through 18, I am glad about coming of Stephanias, Fortunatus, and Achacus. <laughs> for what was lacking on your part, they supplied, for they refreshed my spirit and yours. Have you ever been with someone and you walk away and you feel just refreshed? It's like you crave it again. You're like, oh, I just want to hang out with her again. Or let's get, all get together again. I feel so refreshed and encouraged and just, and, you know. Life can be hard. It beats you up, you know. Especially nowadays, it's just, the world is very, it's very um, heavy. Water also cleanses. God's word is the spiritual water that cleanses us. John 15, 3, you are already clean because of the world which I have spoken to you. Our words to others can also help cleanse and sanctify Have you ever been weary or maybe off track a little in your thinking and you share that with a dear friend and she puts you right on track again and then just speaks into your life? It cleanses you and just resets and refocuses you. Or I love, that's why I love worship before we have service um, because I just really, really feel like it kind of like settles your mind from the week or from whatever you're worrying about, um, the stresses of life, whatever it is, you fill in the blank. I just feel like it resets me back on him and, um, and, and prepares my heart for what um, I need to hear from the word. Our words can help to shelter and encourage a weary friend, and it can help to feed a hungry soul. In John 6, 63, Jesus said, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. As we share with other his words, we feed and encourage them. Never thought, if you didn't cook, You're feeding somebody with your words. That should encourage you. The most important thing about a tree is what? What is the most important thing about a tree? I can't hear you. The roots, right? The root system. If the roots do not go down deep, the tree will not grow in a healthy manner. If we are rooted in the things of the Lord, then our words will be the fruit of fellowship with him. We must spend time daily with our Lord. I know I beat that with a stick. But if, if we learn anything out of the whole book of James, but we learn to sit with him daily, I don't care how much time you put into it, it's a good thing. You've learned a great thing. We've all learned a great thing. Um, we must spend time with him. If you and I are going to have a tongue, that delights. But James issued a warning. A fountain cannot give forth two kinds of water, bitter and sweet, and a tree cannot bear two kinds of fruit. We expect the fountain to flow sweet water at all times, and we expect the fig tree to bear figs, not, what's another fruit that goes on trees? Apples, right? A fig will have figs. Nature reproduces after its kind. If the tongue is inconsistent, there is something radically wrong with the heart. It is easy to have bitter envy and strife in our hearts, James 14, 314 says, but if you have bitter 
and envy, self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. And Matthew 15, 18 says, but those things which proceed out of my mouth come from the heart and they defile a man. Proverbs 4, 23, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. As we fill our hearts with God's word and yield to the Holy Spirit, he can use us to bring delight to others and we will be refreshing fountains and trees. 12 words that I want to leave with you that I feel like are lost today and are getting more lost as um, our world goes on. Please and thank you. When you use these words, we're treating others like people and not things. I find it easily not said in our own home. Like it's easily to just do those things because we just take advantage most of the people that are we're closest to, right? So please and thank you. I'm sorry. These two words are very difficult to say, but they seem um, to be the most important because they have the power to break down walls and build a bridge. I love you. This statement has tremendous power. I'm praying for you. We say it in an encouraging way to let others know that we care enough about them to go to our throne of God because he's the only one that can change anything, right? Or I've often said, you know, I'll pray for you. Better yet, let's just pray right now, you know? So, yes, the smallest but largest troublemaker in all the world is the tongue, but it doesn't have to be a troublemaker, ladies. How can you and I use our tongue to direct others into the way of life and delight them in the trials of life? By giving God your tongue and your heart each day and ask him to use it to bless others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you know each of our hearts, Lord. You know um, each of our regrets with our tongues, Lord. And you know each of the good things that we've done with our tongues, Lord. Help us to do better, Lord. We thank you that you gave us two ears because you want us to listen more and speak less. And God, impress upon our hearts when you want us to speak, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that you would give us wisdom and discernment as women who want to delight and bless and encourage others, Lord. And correct us, Lord, when we're off track. And help us, Lord, if we just need a time out before um, responding instead of reacting, Lord. Bring these things to our memory, Lord, because we are human and we are not perfect and we struggle, and we are so thankful that we have you. We need you daily. Please change us, grow us, and mold us into you, we pray. In your name, amen.